In a World, the year 1988. Hello everyone, Brian the Movie Guy here, along with co-host extraordinaire Cody Wilfong, and we are getting in the holly jolly spirit as we are covering our first of two Christmas movies this season, and the first one is a bit of a doozy combining uh, a little bit of element of comedy to a classic story. We are of course talking about a film only the 80s could produce, the Bill Murray-led Scrooge, starting right here right now. Let's hop into a universe let's see the what ifs but there's only one way to do it let's begin hello everybody or should i say merry christmas and a happy seventh night of hanukkah to those out there i am bry the movie guy and i will be joined by co-host extraordinaire cody wilfong very shortly on this podcast as we begin our first little uh our little first uh christmas little thing here we didn't want to do an entire month um as i've stated on other podcasts doing an entire like season and plan thing it gets rough and you get burned out really quickly so we just we're keeping it to two christmas movies uh when you're hearing this one it'll be a few days before christmas and then we will be releasing an episode directly on christmas day so exciting stuff coming and then um me and cody behind the scenes have been talking about uh what we plan to do after the new year so but yeah let's focus on today's movie today's movie is from 1988 it is the uh richard donner film scrooged um it came out with the tagline bill murray is back among the ghosts only this time it's three against one Um, And the synopsis reads, for anyone who may not know this movie, in this modern take on Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol, Frank Cross, played by Bill Murray, is a wildly successful television executive whose cold ambition and um, Kerm Dodge only... He's a bit of an asshole. Nature has uh, driven away the love of his life, Claire Phillips, played by Karen Allen. But after firing a staff member, Elliot Loudermilk, played by Bobcat Goldwath, um, on Christmas Eve, Frank is visited by a series of ghosts who give him a chance to reevaluate his actions and right the wrongs of his past. As stated, it is directed by Richard Donner and is written by Mitch Glazer and Michael O'Donohue, amongst many others who helped on the rewrites, which we will get into them in some of the fun facts, um, specifically one that Bill Murray credits for really saving this movie. Um, and I've stated a couple of the stars, but to mention them anyway, because this is the What If podcast, just to remind you of who originally was in this movie, this movie starred Bill Murray, Karen Allen, Alfre Woodard, Carol Kane, David Johansson, Bobcat Goldwaite, John Forsay, John Glover, Robert Mitchum, and John Murray. Um, yeah, and um, we, like I said, when we, as I was stating, you know, uh, we there was a lot of Christmas movies we wanted to do, but I feel like this one is kind of a, an underrated classic. Like, I feel like it's gained some traction throughout the past, I don't know, five, six years. And even I, at a point, was, like, not huge on it. But 
rewatching it, especially for the podcast recently, like there were so many things that were happening in this movie, especially towards the very end and the, the monologue we get that just really changed my mind about this movie. And he, even so much like I know Bill Murray would eventually become an Oscar nominated actor and also do really well in serious uh, roles. But I didn't realize how much of that bit of Bill Murray was peeking in from um, this this performance as our as our new Scrooge, but this time he's Frank Cross. But um, yeah, I have some takes that I'll get into. For instance, I think this movie highly needs Karen Allen. I think Bill Murray is the uh, thing you pay for, but I think uh, Karen Allen is what brings you back because. She's really the heart and soul of this movie, and um, I feel like, yeah, if you, it, it, just to, like, kind of talk about uh, Christmas Carol real quick, like, that, the it is one of the most reworked and redone stories probably ever made, um, now, I don't know how many different versions there are, I don't want to get, um, I don't want to be quoted here and say, like, oh yeah, there's 58, but no, like, because there are TV shows that have, like, like long st- like episodes where it's dedicated to being a a kind of homage to a Christmas Carol. I know of Boy Meets World. I remember the Flintstones Christmas Carol. I think the Jetsons had one. Um, I'm pretty sure Home Improvement had one. I any any big '90s show definitely had one. Um, of course, the countless movies Robert Zemeckis made one. Um, a few li- great live action ones. Um, of course, there's a Muppets Christmas Carol, which has one of the best performances from uh, our uh, Sir Michael Caine and um, Sir Patrick Stewart has played him. Um, one of my favorites is from the 1980s. Around this time, I think it was actually a year before this one, was the George C. Scott one. Um, it's one that we always rewatch with my mom, but man, she is she's a hard one to watch movies with. She is a talker, talker, talker for sure. Um, and then her son runs a pon- uh, podcast. Who knew? <laughs> but yeah, um, I just got word co- uh, co-host extraordinaire is on his way back. I told him I'd do the introductions first. Um, we'll get him into the what ifs here, which will start uh, probably after we, me and him eat real quick. Because uh, it's been a long day. I need some food in me before we really get it going into this. But yeah, um, but before I wrap it up, you know, like I was saying, uh, this is probably one of my favorite adaptations of A Christmas Carol. It's one of my favorite. I, I actually have this, like, illustrated uh, version of it um, that's really cool. And it's it's this timeless story because who doesn't want to think that, like, one powerful one powerful night can't change your life for the better or put you into a better trajectory just because you you chose to, I don't know, believe in something that was beyond believing or whatever. I don't know. I I'm I'm trying to be deeper than I probably should about this, but yeah, um, I I have some. Like I said, there's going to be some hot takes, especially with Alfred Woodward character. I really love her in this movie and in this role. Um, I love Bobcat uh, Goldwatt. God, I'm fucking up names already, but yeah. Um, it's, this movie has a strong cast. I remember seeing this when I was really young. Um, my brother told me that I'm pretty sure we caught this, like, by accident on cable and stuff. So, I always debate if I've, which Bill Murray project I've seen first, either Scrooge or Ghostbusters, but, uh, I... 
Sorry about that small interruption, everyone. Uh, we have co-host extraordinaire Cody now with us. How's it going, buddy? Good, how are you? Uh, you know, living the dream and whatnot. So, I already explained to them about, you know, this is our Christmas movie. Our first of two, because we're not doing an entire month of Christmas. Um, how, what are your views on... Have you seen this movie before? A long time ago. So you haven't watched it recently? I've seen clips. Fair enough. Uh... <laughs> Uh, what are your views on it? Well, you already know this. Well, I don't, but we have you know, to. You we now have to retell everybody everything. <laughs> I am not a big Christmas movie person, which is shocking, but it also is fitting because, as people will find out, you are actually a secret Scrooge of Christmas. Yes, <laughs> um, I've never. I mean, I've never liked Scrooge movies. To be honest, I mean, I get it. It's like, tough to watch. It, I mean, it's a good movie, but it's there's like the Victoria Victorian age stuff with that, and I could see that being harder for people to like really get into. Um, I feel like I can't hear anything in my headphones for some weird reason. That's weird. The headphones uh, died. They they really might have. These are old, broken ones. But anyway. Um, yeah, so I was just kind of going through, like, when I grew up, uh, as stated by my brother, um, pretty sure we found this movie by mistake. Now, I don't know, I've been debating it for a while, I do not know what my first Bill Murray movie is. I don't know if it was Ghostbusters, Groundhog Day, or this. What's Space yours? Jam. Oh my god. That is technically a Bill, that has <laughs> Bill Murray in it. I can't, I, I, what, I, that could even be it, for all I know. Shit, man. You just gave me more to think about. I don't know how I feel about that. But, enough with this stuff. I already told the folks that we will tell them everything about Monday. Not everything. <laughs> Not everything. But we're going we're gonna to explain a little bit of the... what. I don't like the expression, that was my nom. But I totally <laughs> understand why people make that reference P like, PTSD. that was my nom. Like, I, it was just, it was just, everything that could go wrong was going wrong on that podcast. <laughs> it was just bad. Um, the, and, and plus the microphone. Like, I know this one has trouble picking you up sometimes. Um, but, like, it hasn't really failed us. I mean, you can at least hear me, and I'm the one who I'm, does a good chunk of the talking. So, I mean. I mean, I feel like. Upgrade from this one, you have to get one of those ones that you see other podcasters that have it like. Well, I do have one. I have the blue one, if you remember, but it's also like I have to have something that plugs into my phone because Rock Band, I don't like how Rock Band edits it. Plus, our theme song and like the little sound effects I like to use are <laughs> all on this. <laughs> I wish that was one of them. I mean, I could also record anything with this, so that's also nice. But anyway. Um, fuck, what was I even saying just now? I lost my uh, track. The first Bill Murray film you Oh, yeah, yeah. And oh, I was talking about the microphone, that's right. But anyway, yeah, so enough about, you know, this movie and our experiences with it. Because this is the What If Podcast, so we have to first and foremost get into the What Ifs. But this section today is called What Ifs? Bah, humbug. Which is, uh... What did we, I forget what was the definition of a humbug again? I know we looked uh, it up. It's a slang term from 1700s that kid, school kids used. Um, it was recorded, first recorded in a movie in 1840 something. 
man, you got a great memory. You, I was like waiting for you to pull out your phone. You're like, no, nah, I got this. Uh, so the first what if that we got to mention is that Sam Kinison was originally slated to play the part of the Ghost of Christmas Past, but the part eventually went to David Johansson due to his friendship with Bill Murray. Um, Sam Kinison would also pass away before this movie was uh, released. Now, now that we, I've had some days to think about it, what about Jack Nicholson as Scrooge? I mean, if this was 1980s Jack around the time of The Shining, it could work, but if he's doing The Shining, there's no possible way he can do any other movie because I'm not 100% sure on the shooting timeline and schedule, but I do know he, it's... Uh, the door. Oh. But yeah. Um, oh, no, you were talking about Jack Nicholson. That's where we were. Yeah. Okay, so back to Jack. Um, 1980s Jack Nicholson... Um, if he, if you pulled him out of The Shining, which wouldn't be the worst idea for some people. I'm I'm a fan of the movie personally, but I know a lot of people who are fans of the book kind of like veer away from it in a way. Um, but I don't hate that suggestion because although like there has to be a likability, I guess Jack Nicholson can kind of ride that line of like. God, I fucking hate this dude, but it's I also fucking love him at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a big thing of what Frank Cross is in this uh in this movie. Every time you um, say Frank Cross, I think of Frank Castle for some reason. It's probably might as well be the same guy. <laughs> Can you that's a that's a crossover event we I need. think we talked about that on Monday. The Punisher Christmas well, Carol? No, the, <laughs> I was about the to actor say. who plays the Punisher. Frank Grillo? Yeah. Or not Frank Grillo, that's, uh, fr- he's from the Purge Anarchy and, uh, Election Year. Almost the uh, same. They, I mean, they, I, he's pretty much this, uh, the Punisher in those he movies. He was in Avengers, too. Yeah, he was, uh, Crossbones. Yeah. 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 Um. It took me a long time to put it together. <laughs> For whatever reason, I don't know. I don't think, uh, I don't know. As lo- as much as I like John Berthal, I don't think of him as, like, Frank Cross, or Scrooge. I feel like a Scrooge actor, like anyone playing Ebenezer Scrooge has to be English, while anyone who's Frank Cross, you can kind of be anyone because you're just sleazy TV executive. Um, <clears throat> and he couldn't scream either. Who? Um, you just said his name. Oh, John Burke. He couldn't he, he wouldn't be able to scream. There'd be no... And also, like, I don't know, like... This being like a comedy, also you need a comedic actor, and I don't think of John Berthold as a comedic actor. I'm not gonna lie to you. I've seen him in funny things, but I don't really see him as the funny. Um, my next what if here is according to Bill Murray, a lot of footage ended up in the cutting room floor. He said he went on to say, "We shot a big, long, sloppy movie, so there's a great deal of material that didn't even end up in the film." Murray, Murray told Starlog, it just didn't work. You tend to forget what was wrong. It's hard. I just figured that anyone who's good could step... Make that joke. We're, we're gonna have, if I make that joke, we're going to have a repeat of Monday. Let's not do that. Uh, <laughs> it's hard. I, I just figured that anyone who's good could step into the part and have a lot of fun with it. It's sort of a wicked character. The idea of making it a funny Scrooge was inspired touch. That's what was appealing to me about it. So... It's interesting to think that there is... Well, we'll get into one of the what-ifs I remember mentioning, but um, 
There, it, it's always interesting when you hear that, for instance, Mrs. Doubtfire is a good example. That's a movie we'll have to do in the future because who knows about how many what-ifs. They, they said they had enough footage that they could have done five different films altogether. There could have been an R-rated cut, an NC-17 cut, a PG cut, a PG-13 cut. They, like, there's so many because that was the magic of Robin Williams in improvisation. You know what? Oh, kid. I don't know. Could Robin Williams play convincing asshole? Eh. Do you think? I mean, there is Death to Smoochie, the Danny DeVito film. But I don't know if he can... He is a serious actor because the one he does with Matt Damon. Oh, Good Will Hunting. Yeah, that's good. that got him the Oscar. Everyone quotes that. It's not your fault. I mean, dude, <laughs> the whole, like... Well, he has that improvised speech about, like, meeting the girl and or about farting and stuff like that. But it, we'll, we won't get... We'll get into that when we talk about Robin Williams. I want to have, like, a Robin a Williams episode. A lot of episode. Robin Williams movies are very highly rated on IMDb. Well, yeah. The man Dude's was, a like... He, well, yeah, it was Robin Williams, man. Um, Good Morning Vietnam. Oh, yeah. Uh, the next uh, what if I hear I have here is more about like central Bill Murray in movies because uh, there was a time where Bill Murray almost quit acting and we'll get into that more a little bit kind of like uh, Carrie Carrie recently quit acting oh Jim Carrey yeah uh sort of what uh, we'll get into it shortly but um. But here are some of the roles he turned down around 1988 that he was asked to do to be the lead in. Uh, first one's Rain Man. The next one's Big. And the next one is Cocktail. I find it interesting that two of them star Tom Cruise. So it makes me wonder if he was up for both the Cruise parts. or But for Big, it would have been obviously the Tom Hanks part. Yeah. But, um, man, I feel like... Tom Hanks perfectly encaps what a child is in that movie. I don't know if Bill Murray... Like, Bill Murray feels like he would play it more, I'm a goofy adult, while Tom Hanks feels like a kid in that movie, like an would, adult uh, kid. Do you think any of his Ghostbusters co-stars could take his role? I know the popular one to say would probably be Dan Aykroyd, Dan, a Dan Aykroyd but even Dan... A well, if he plays it right, like Ray Zelensky, the the... Auto Park King, uh, from Tommy Boy, then, uh... Kind of an asshole in that movie. Yeah, he could be, he could be this Frank Cross, probably, but I... The fact that it was written specifically with Murray in mind makes me feel like it was tailored in such a way, which we'll get into some which of these made-up what-ifs we'll get to they shortly. They screwed if he turned it down after they tailored it to him. Oh, yeah, but I do have some actors listed here that I think would be, like, able to kind of fit those shoes if need be in an emergency sense. But, yeah, um, Bill Murray also declined to return to as Carl Spackler in the Caddyshack 2 movie, which was a wise career choice because Caddyshack, uh, Caddyshack 2 sucks. And uh, th this movie's a classic. Like, I told my buddy uh, Brandon, who he... He pretty much, he has a very strong sense of what he likes in movies and what he doesn't like a movie. And when I told him Scrooge, he was just like, fucking love that movie. So that was a good sign. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, <clears throat> yeah. So anyway, um, yeah, he, he declined to return as Carl, which is one of the first kind of roles with the whole Ramus and 
um, like his brothers and like their acting. That kind of when it's the genesis of when all this happened. Um, well, I mean, the genesis would obviously obviously be SNL, but his movie career I think really begins with Caddyshack and then catapults with Ghostbusters. Didn't your brother bring up Chevy Chase? Oh yeah, Chevy Chase wouldn't have been a bad uh, a bad uh, option for. Uh, Frank Cross, but at the same time, it's like, how many times can Chevy Chase play this role where it doesn't feel like anything new? Like, somehow, there's a degree of what, Bill Murray isn't just a goofball the entire movie. Um, He is most of the movie, but not the entire movie, and I think... I feel like I keep seeing something on the camera. I'm sorry. Um, what am I trying to say here? Um, I feel like Chevy Chase wouldn't be able to hit the dramatic notes like Bill Murray does. He's always been comedic. Right. Because there's a part where he's in the... Uh, I need the cast list in front of me. I forgot to pull it up like I usually do. But there's a part in the movie where he meets this uh, these these group of homeless people, and um, one of them, it, d- after his run-in with the ghost of Christmas Present, um, he finds him inside the sewers, frozen to death, and um, he he has this moment where he just starts like yelling at him. Um, Herman, it's Dick. Liz says hi. Geez, maybe I should have given you the two bucks, huh? <laughs> um. You moron! You jerk! Why didn't you stand clear? Why didn't you stay with Claire? She would have taken care of you. You would have eaten. You would have been warm. You might be alive! You'd be a prettier color, I'll tell you that! And in that scene, it's not him yelling at him, at, at uh, oh, I forget uh, the character's name. Uh, I want to I say it's Herman, but... Um, what a terrible name. I mean, he, he's an old man. He, he looks like a Herman when you watch the movie. Like, that's a Herman. But, um, yeah, that scene, though, like, that's Frank yelling at himself. He's self-reflecting in that moment. Watch there be a Herman listen to this and be like, what the fuck? What the fuck is this guy talking about? You want to you wanna meet a Herman? You want to call me a piece of shit? I'll call you a piece of shit. Uh, no, we love you, Herm. Thank you for listening. Uh, <laughs> he probably fucking hates me now. Uh, but, back to my notes here. Uh, <laughs> uh, Paramount's, uh, Paramount. You asked the other day if there was a director's cut after I mentioned the uh, how there was like a bunch of stuff on the cutting room floor. There was plans for something called the You'll Love It edition, which is... 2006? Dude, look at that fucking steel trap mind. Yep, October 31st, 2006 <laughs> was its plan... Was its planned <laughs> release date. <laughs> and... Um, but so it they, was they never officially released it. They never released it. It was uncalled. It was they re, I, And like I said then, that was disgusting noise. Do you think that because they didn't release it um how am I going to word this? 
the climate of the audience, the climate of how the world was at that time, do you think the people who were producing that movie in the director's cut thought it would be best to not do that? Well, it was recalled for unknown reasons, and a part of me wonders... This is 2006, if there was just a... Uh, it's a lot of horror comedies. I don't know. That That's a great question. We'll have to like look into that when we do another 2006 movie that's because comedy. Because the 2000s, early 2000s, were a lot of horrors, a lot of spoofs, a lot of comedies... A lot of... There has to be, like, a weird... I need... No, Richard Donner didn't die that long ago. Uh, we'll look it up later. Um, another what if, though. Richard Donner was a huge Chuck Norris <coughs> fan, and he was actually supposed to be the Lee Majors part instead of the... Uh, in, instead of, well, Lee Majors. And that's why, if you listen, there's, like, this clear, like added audio where they go they include the six million dollar man which that was his biggest role at that time being known for as steve austin um and so that was the 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 research what ifs that's all i could find so the rest of these what ifs i have listed here are just like ones i made up so you mentioned like how they would be screwed back then if uh, Bill Murray was just like, nope, I'm not coming back to acting. Because what happened was um, Bill Murray like really had his heart set out on this movie called Razor's Edge. It was his passion project, but he couldn't get it off the ground unless he, he pretty much needed a favor. Yeah, it's okay. Um, he, couldn't, he couldn't do it without a favor from pretty much Dan Aykroyd. So... He did Ghostbusters to help him make Razor's Edge. And Razor's Edge was this big passion project of his, and it was a disaster. Um, it didn't do well in the box office. It didn't do well with critics. But... I've never even heard of Razor's Edge. I'm going to look at it. That, exactly. But <laughs> the movie that did get successful at that time, Ghostbusters, the movie he did for uh, literally a favor to someone... It, it became successful. It made him question his career because, like, it was passion versus um, expectation, uh, consumerism. I don't know what I'm trying to say here. I mean, it's still got a, a good amount on Rotten Tomatoes. I mean, it's respected. I've never personally seen it, so I'm not going to say it's a bad 6. movie. 6.4 on IMDb. That's kind of like... That's kind of like an average kind of movie. It's not great, but it's not bad either. 53 on Rotten Ooh, yeah, so it's a mid-movie, pretty much. But yeah, that's my point, though. It's like, this was something he actually really was passionate about, and Ghostbusters wasn't, but that's what became successful. So, pretty much from Ghostbusters till Scrooge, he didn't act, except for a cameo in uh, Little Shop of Horrors. And now, with how old he is, and with how old Bill Murray is, I feel like when you get to that age now... <clears throat> you're almost kind of handcuffed to what roles you can do now. Um, I feel like back then he was kind of, he was still known because he stopped acting for four years. He was offered a lot of stuff. There was the Batman movie, which we talked about in our Batman episode. Um, and then there was the movies we mentioned, Rain Man, Big, and uh, Cocktail. But Batman is a pretty big what if because it also was... Uh, I can't see him as Batman. 
No, no, it would have been bad. It would have been bad. Ivan Reitman wanted to do it also. I like Ivan Reitman, as I mentioned uh, last week on Jurassic Park, the the Dave movie. I love that Dave movie. I love Ghostbusters. I love a lot of his movies. Ghostbusters but is like your... your it, no, I just love it. It's just like... Well, I'm I not saying it is a bad thing. That's just one of your favorite movies. Oh, yeah, it's one of my... I mean, that was the very first episode of this podcast, so, I mean, there you go. Um, so... Okay, back to what I was trying to say, though. If this movie was made and Bill Murray couldn't do it because, again, he he was just done with acting because he, the, Danny he just... <laughs> there's da- the Danny DeVito option, which we've discussed, but I have Steve Martin, which he's I very big think, comedic. I always think of him... I associate him with Pink Panther. You got it, dude. The Jerk is one of my all-time favorite comedies. I think it's, it's very bad. It's... Very bad today, but it is comedy gold because uh, it's, it is what Steve Martin is about with his comedy and like why people loved him because he's not trying to offend people, but I can see why it's you know, an offensive movie today my for first sure. first movie watching that had Steve Martin in it, you're going to be disappointed. It's a bit cheaper by the dozen, I could already tell you. Yeah. <laughs> that and that Queen Latifah movie he did. Oh, Bringing Down the House. I forgot about that movie. <laughs> I forgot all about that movie. And uh, uh, what's his name? Eugene Levy's in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, him and him and Eugene Levy do a lot of stuff together. I'm pretty sure they're like really good friends. Queen Latifah doesn't do much lately. She's in the Equalizer series on uh, CBS. I don't have CBS. I don't either. But I know. <laughs> I know it's apparently doing well. I mean, it's on its third Just or like fourth that season. Jack Reacher show. I've never seen that, but. That guy's in talks to playing Batman. I would be very interested. Alan Richardson, Batman. I'm digging it. That's a big That's ass a Batman. fucking big Batman. <laughs> uh, way bigger than Superman, I'll tell you that much. I think he's bigger than Ben. He might be, dude. Uh, the next name. What is his name? I think it's Alan Richardson. Alan Richardson. Or he played a character named Alan Richardson. Because I think Ben Affleck is 6'4". With your memory and how it's been tonight, I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, the next uh, name I have is Tom Hanks, which is kind of a weird one, but like he was he was he was known for comedies around this time. But as we know, this is Tom fucking Hanks. He can act. Uh, I think he would be a great Frank Cross, especially in this time. It would be kind of a really interesting transition movie, as long as it doesn't take away from A League of Their Own. Because A League of Their Own is one of my all-time favorite movies. 6-3. But just imagine this is your Batman. No, dude, yeah. Like, cause he's <laughs> Jack Because Re- Jack Reacher is described as a scary big dude. Like, uh, definitely not Tom Cruise and what he looks like. Yeah, dude, that's a scary Batman. Like, he he was... Uh, it's interesting because he was uh, Hawkman on Titans. Was no, it? I remember, yes. Yeah. And so... Uh, but I think he would be a hell of a Batman. Always loved Robin in that. But I feel series. like he needs to be. I know he could probably do it because again, it's acting. But like, I just there, Bruce Wayne has to be a certain way, clean cut. But Bruce Wayne, but Batman has to be a very completely different way, rugged. He, but he has to be the voice. He's got to get the voice down too. The, you have to have the voice. You have to be uh, what's I, there's a word I'm looking for. It's not somber. Um, it's like uh, what's that word where you're just like you're very like som- It's not somber, but you you're just like very straight. 
faced, and you're just Emotion. stoic. 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 He has to be stoic. Um, I think that's the right word. I could be wrong. Uh, and the last name I have for Frank Cross, who would who fits in that line as the B movie Bill Murray, in my opinion, he is known as Ash Williams from the Evil Dead series. That is Bruce Campbell. Um, I think he was. I think if anyone, it, it, Scrooge might become a B movie, or this might help Bruce Campbell further his career better. Who knows? Um, Nicholas Cage would make it a B movie. Nicholas Nicholas Cage would be. You know what? We get kind of a Nicholas Cage. Well, his movie's more of a. Uh, it's a Wonderful Life scenario because he's transported to another life and has to live it to see how that would have went. But he's not visited by ghosts. Uh, I'm talking about the Family Man, by the way. Um, I just had an idea. If we were to do the Scrooge now, yeah. Well, no, that's exactly what we're about to get into. That's my next note. <laughs> Telepathic, man. I don't know. I'm on it tonight. <laughs> um, but if we were to do it right now, and I was thinking about this because we talked about it Monday. What about, because we know all the crazy roles he's done in the past with Willy Wonka and Johnny Depp. I don't have Johnny Depp on my list, but... If we take him back, not today, I don't think he'd be good for it today. He 2003 even... era Johnny Depp would be good, but that also borderline takes away from Jack Sparrow. It almost takes... You almost need Tim Burton. I don't think Tim Burton was up for it, but uh, you we could change the director in yeah. a, in, uh, easily, especially back in 1980s. Like be darker. I, we could do this early 90s move that there for Johnny Depp in that kind of role or uh I don't I I feel like there there's certain people that need to be casted in, in the certain roles because of I the themes and what it kind of goes with Danny DeVito is my number one God. I don't so, know why I'm stuck on him he's good so Frank Cross is described as one of the youngest executives in the 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 station's history the channel's history so, for Frank Cross, I decided that we need an actor in their probably like mid to late 30s or early 40s um, who can be effective, quote unquote, sleazeball, but somehow still um, likable from an audience perspective. So, here, here are the names I have. First name, of course, Robert Downey Jr., uh, fits that whole, like, I can be a smart-ass but likable kind of guy. Um, he would push it to an R rating, because I feel like we get this in, uh, what's that, Due Date? Is that that movie with Zach Galifianakis? Yeah. yeah. I feel like that's a qu- kind of borderline Frank Cross, because he spits in a dog's oh, face. Movie, you can't come back from that. He, there's a car scene where he's, him and some other guy are in the, some other guy's in the back seat. It's Zach he rolls, Gal- he rolls down the window, and he's like, are you... He says something to Zach. And, you okay back there? And Zach's like, are you done yet? And he's like, am I done? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh yeah. <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about. Because he, he, the whole time, uh, Zach Galifianakis just is appalled by, like, if Robert Downey Jr. is, like, expressing his anger at him at all. He's like, are you finished it? Am I finished it? <laughs> <laughs> um, the next name I have is Ryan Gosling. 
Ryan Gosling in comedies has just been working very well, and like with knife guys, knife guys. <laughs> but uh... shut up, Jimmy! <laughs> shut up, Jimmy! Just shut up! <laughs> but um, I feel like him is almost ideal for this role, and they could perfectly. He was so good. In he Blade could Runner. be that. What he was so good in Blade Runner. I just thought of a really weird person who they did this for. Blade Runner is a great movie. Yes. Uh, the original is my old, one of my f- favorite all time favorites. But uh, the scene with him laying in the snow and just the like, ending yeah. scene when he it's, just like because it's like he just accepts that like he fi- he figured out that he wasn't the kid because that was like the whole dilemma and it's kind of like oh, we can't get into Blade Runner. I was about <laughs> to go to a rabbit hole there. Uh, what about yeah, no Ryan Gosling though? I just feel like would be great tailored because. They would just need to make him the arrogant playboy type. What about, but uh, we get that with Matthew McConaughey in yeah. The Ghost of Girlfriend's Past. <laughs> yes. Which is also a uh, Christmas Carol kind of rip. What about uh, Jeremy Allen White? Ooh, uh, Lip? Yeah. Is he in his mid-30s now? He's 32. That's not mid, though. He's still kind of young for the... But I guess if, again, young executive, I guess it wouldn't... Or we can age Deckard. him up. What what's what's, He's a, what's his he would be a great Frank Cross to be honest. But what's going on with his chin recently? Did he get surgery? Uh, he had. Well, he just didn't he get injured or something. I, well, he just did a role where. Well, he, I, I know the Iron Claw. I, mean, I don't know if he had to do anything to look make himself look. I wonder if it was just the weightlifting. If like his muscles just built differently there or something. Because there's like times where he looks nor- like his self. I don't want to say normal. You know they cast because that actual, that feels rude. They casted an actual wrestler as one of the, their co stars for that movie. Uh, that's a good idea, man. I'm excited. We're they're getting it here at the theater, uh, but. Um, yeah, I think Ryan Gosling would be good. Jeremy Allen White's not bad, but Zac Efron's better. Um, and then the next one I have, Ryan Reynolds, of Who's course. Who's co-star on that? Who played Joker in the TV series Gotham? Uh, uh, oh, uh, no, he, he's in Shameless. Yeah, but he was also in Gotham. Yeah, but you were. I we were talking about Iron Claw. Oh, <laughs> I. Uh, uh, but um, that's um, carrot or. Nah, not for not for Frank Cross. Because again, this person. Well, I don't even know if Jeremy Allen White could work for what Frank Cross. Because you have to be somewhat silly. You have to be like like I said, Ryan Reynolds, my next name on here. I feel like he fits that. But he's too predictable. But he's too predictable. He's too much. It, it's just always Deadpool. Just that's if you that. take Ryan Reynolds from Just Friends or Waiting. Yeah. That that's that that's Ryan no or uh, no yeah just friends I think is, right before he sees Amy smart again I think that's our best uh, indicator. Um, next name I don't know a hundred percent how I this would thought, go. I just thought of an actor and maybe you can give me your thoughts on him. But uh, John Krasinski, yeah, I think he would be good. I think he needs like, of course he had a quiet place and he's doing the. He did the sequel, and then there's the uh, spinoff coming soon. But um, God, my nose is so stuffed. Hold on, I'm gonna we're gonna go quiet again here, real quick. What's what that? about a Pin Bagley? Pin Bagley? Bagley. Uh, from you? Yes. I don't know if he's funny. I do. Or see? the dude, or the dude from uh, the boys, uh, Chance Crawford. Which one's he? 
bad with names. No, I fucking hate that guy. Has a face that I would punch. <laughs> I'm saying it right now. I hope he was I always, in the boys. You know what? I would be like if someone I've said I'd punch in the face like wanted to like meet me so I could punch them in the face. I'd be honored at like one like hey thanks for listening to the podcast. But let's fucking do this. I'm punch in the face. <laughs> let's fucking go. We're here now. Well, um, who is he's. His no, no, I would. I, I don't mean violence, but he just has one of those faces that looks like I'd punch. Uh, his, he's got a sister that is married to another famous person. I can't... <laughs> and my last name for Frank Cross, which... Um, I, I'm really basing this off Tony of his... Tony Romo. <laughs> oh, fuck no. <laughs> fuck no. No, Tony uh, Romo is his brother-in-law. Oh, that's weird. All right, all right. Oh, God, excuse me. Okay. But last name I have, strictly because of his character on... Morgan oh, Freeman. no. Succession. I'm getting hiccups. <laughs> Denzel Washington. No, uh, Succession <laughs> is a... No, I was just putting a name oh. out there. Dude, Denzel... Nah, he's not silly enough. Cross it over with Equalizer. <laughs> That's what? <laughs> But anyway, uh, <laughs> when the Scrooge meets Equalizer, what <laughs> the Scrooge like he's the Grinch? <laughs> he's gonna come out from top of di- uh, Mount Muffet he, or he whatever just, he's, he's called. He's just sitting in the diner. And he's like, "So when are we gonna do this?" I really don't like this place. <laughs> You're nothing Jim Carrey would be very good at this. Jim Carrey would be uh, like uh, liar, liar days. Jim mm-hmm. Carrey that'd be perfect. Or how he talks as the Grinch. No, we don't. Frank Cross is not no, I'm talking Ebenezer, about like, though. <laughs> I know, but have him as Ebenezer. Oh, he was Ebenezer already. But not in this one. No, he was in uh, Christmas Carol, the Robert Zemeckis CGI one. He's uh, he's Ebenezer, and he's pretty much uses the same voice. <laughs> um, but, but, yeah, last name on here, from Succession, Kieran Culkin. As, uh, wow, what's his, oh, God, I'm forgetting his name on Succession now. It's Roy... Obviously, but, but, is it, it's not Rob. Roman, Roman Roy, um, is Roman Roy. Um, I think he would be, I feel like he needs a storing role. He hasn't, well, he, no, no, he has, I think he was in Igby Goes Down, um, but I think he needs, like, an adult starring role now, at this point. You know, uh, how fucked up movie uh, studios are, if I, I know for a fact if they were to redo this, The Rock would probably have one of the main roles. I'm surprised The Rock hasn't been in a Christmas Carol yet. The I Rock's Christmas to. Carol. And, and you know what? I'm surprised Young... Actually, I think Young Rock got canceled. Yeah. Yeah. So they can't even do a Christmas special like that now. It was not a good show. I liked it at first, but then after a while, I feel like it's too self gratifying like look at me look at me i'm dwayne johnson that's my problem with the rock these days it's like everything i do is wonderful i think he's a sellout oh yeah he's a sellout um but okay so going on with our uh with our modern no no we're still on what ifs (laughs) uh to continue on with our uh recasting though for claire phillips um obviously we need someone who's going to be like really down to earth but like when you see them, they radiate just this pure, just light to them. So, few actresses in the same kind of range, age range as these guys. I have Amelia Clark, 
Anne Hathaway, Kristen Bell, Allison Brie, and my last name, which I think would be the best fit, is Amanda Seyfried. Um, <clears throat> again, you need someone who, like, to this Frank's... Uh, to Frank's stubbornness, you need someone who's like this. Just oh yeah, no, he's uh yeah, did not <laughs> age well. <laughs> but uh, I just feel like, and also I feel like if you put, let's say we did Kieran Culkin with uh, Amanda Seyfried, I think that works really well. Uh, Anne Hathaway with Ryan Gosling, I think that or or Anne Hathaway, Anne Hathaway would be a good option with Ryan Gosling. Ryan Reynolds works with that, pretty much anyone. What Robert Ryan Downey Reynolds' wife. She would also be good. She would be good. Or uh, no, she's. She doesn't really act anymore, does she? She does act, but she's almost like. I wouldn't believe her as someone who works at a homeless shelter. As mean as that sounds. The girl off of Spider Man. Like she just seems like she would be a little more hoity, but I could be wrong. Which, which? Seafold. Oh, Seafold, my bad. Um, oh, I thought you blew your nose in that one. No, 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 no. <laughs> uh, it would be in the trash. <laughs> but yeah, um, hmm. that's not a bad option. Uh, I think, though, it's it's weird because, like, none of the, none of these actresses really hold up to what kind of this, I want to say, like, Girl Next Door-esque type with uh, Karen Allen. The next name, we'll kind of go through these a little quickly. Um, Grace Cooley, uh, his his uh, assistant, which I think this is what... I, well, for let me go back to Claire real quick. I think Claire is actually one of the more important characters in this movie. So that's why I picked these actresses too. Because they have to carry that, like... I am the heart of this movie, and I deeply mean it, too. Um, so, for Grace, though, uh, Frank's assistant, who... She is the Bob Cratchit of this story. She's the one with the Tiny Tim in uh, Calvin. But um, with her character, like, she's just heart... I find... I feel more bad for her than I ever did for any Bob Cratchit ever. Because she's really, like, living in a situation where she has less way of what I'm trying to say here. Bob Cratchit could have found a job easier than I think uh, Grace Cooley could, especially in the 80s, because she's an African-American woman at the time. And Bob Cratchit was a young or younger white man in England in the early Victorian age. Like, why work for Ebenezer Scrooge? Like, Grace is doing anything she can because, you know, her husband was murdered in front of her child, for God's sakes. And she's just doing the best she can. It sounds like law-abiding citizen. Nah, she... <laughs> nah, nah. Grace, uh, I... It, it, Calvin, like, deserves every bit of revenge, if that's the case. Uh, but yeah, Grace is one of my favorite characters in the movie, and so I was kind of careful on who I chose here. But I feel like... I well, Okay, let me just go with them i did choose people who i could see being older than frank in a way because i feel like having them be like the mature because obviously they have to be a mother um they have to be a mother to multiple children because that's the whole thing that we see with grace she has i think she has 
five. I know there's like two girls, maybe three boys. So I think she has five or four kids, but I, I, it looks like her mom lives with her. Um, I didn't recast all them. That was too much. But uh, <laughs> for Grace, though, I have, and I, I apologize if I mess up this name, Soniqua Martins Green. She's known for a uh, recent Star Trek show. I think it's Discovery that she's on and uh, The Walking Dead. She was Sasha on that. Uh, Regina King. She would be known for um, the most recent thing was she was in the Watchmen series, but she's also a um, a director. She did One Night in Miami, which was a really good movie on Amazon. Um, uh, that reminds she, she, me. I might have to get Amazon. <laughs> yes. To watch the boys. Oh, yes. Um, but yeah, Regina King is a hell of an actress, though, and I feel like she would really be a good opposite to uh, Frank, any any one of those Franks. Uh, the next name I have, and if you haven't watched any of her independent movies, you wouldn't kind of know the other stuff she's capable of, but it's Regina Hall, which she's mainly known for being Brenda in the Scary Movie movies. Um, but she's actually a really good actress, and I think she would really fill that role of Grace Cooley really well. But my last name is kind of like my favorite, just because of who the actress is, is Carrie Washington. I think Regina Hall would be a better Grace, but Carrie Washington's always just, I always like seeing her, and she's a great actress. Um, again, you just need someone to be that really heavy, the heavy emotional impact of the movie. Uh, and then... I only have two more what-ifs, and it's Ghost of Christmas Past and Ghost of Christmas Present. So, Ghost of Christmas Past is the cabbie, you know, he talks with the New York accent, like, hey, nice driving! But, so I was like, the thing is, is like, each one of these characters, played by uh, their respected um, Carol Kane and uh, David David Johansson, so I went with comedians. I, I went with no, well-known comedians or at least seri- serious actors who could be comedic. So for Ghost of Christmas Past, I kept it as a male. And I put Jack Black, Sam Rockwell, Adam Sandler. I think he would actually be a really fun one. Ty Burrell, if we went the TV route. and if we Because there's a lot of TV stars in this movie that make appearances. And then if we stuck with the TV route, uh, last name I have is Charlie Day. (laughs) (laughs) Niagara Falls, Frank! Niagara Falls! I just remember the scene where he's on the white water rapids, (laughs) and he's, like, looking at both things, and... (laughs) Dude, The Sunny is just a classic show, though. I love that show so much. Um, (laughs) Eating cat food. And then Damn it, T, I don't know how it works. Just stay, sniff the glue, eat the cat food, and go to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then for the Ghost of Christmas presents, before we finally get into another category, because, wow, the what-ifs have been long ones again. Almost and, an hour. Almost an hour again. Well, the, I told you we were gonna. I was going to expand them this time around, because I don't remember any of the what-ifs for Monday. Uh, <laughs> but my last one goes to Christmas present again. I chose someone who could be funny, but I feel like again, the actor had to be kind of a bigger actor. Well-known. So I only have four names, but I think they would be the most likely. This one's kind of a toss up, but if we have Frank Cross as Ryan Gosling, I was like, I could see Margot Robbie doing it. Hell, she did a like three minute great cameo in Asteroid City this year. So I could see her doing Ghost of Christmas Present. another movie I haven't seen yet. It's a a good one. It's 
if you're a Wes Anderson fan, you'll love it. But I don't, I don't know if that's up your alley, but it'll be interesting to find out. Um, <laughs> and uh, the next name I have, which will, would probably be it, to be honest. Or my last name would be 100% what I would believe. Next name, though, Rebel Wilson. Because, uh, again, you, I think she fits, though, like, to be that violent, you know, like... Are we talking, like... Today, Rebel Wilson. Uh, or, or not uh, Pitch Perfect Rebel Wilson. No, no, because, like, then it would be... The joke would be, like, oh, look, she's fat, because I don't like that. Like, if, if it's a fat actress or actor who is heavy, like, you know, okay, that's fine. But, like, let's not make that the punchline. Um, it was like always the punchline with her. It it was always the punch. Well, she's literally called Fat Amy in Pitch Perfect. Like they make that a, a thing. Like we have to point out she's bigger, and it, it it's tiring. It doesn't make sense to do that. Um, Just but like Brooklyn with Taylor Swift. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> beep 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 beep. <laughs> Cody, I said beep beep. Okay. <laughs> Anywho, <laughs> beep beep. Oh, you're trying to die tonight. <laughs> okay, okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm I'm sitting here on my on the podcast here that I create I <laughs> I help create here and I'm just trying to get this thought out here. So I say beep beep, you let me get my thought out. Okay. <laughs> so hard to keep a straight face with that. I knew it was gonna happen, but I didn't know when. Uh, the next thing I had, so many people are probably so fucking confused right now. But you need you, next time we have another guest on here and they try to interject, you'd be like beep beep. No, no I'd be like I'd be like no 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 no. Okay, he knows what he said. <laughs> you got to do the <laughs> point the finger, dude. I'm telling you, Adam Driver's Neil McCauley. I'm telling you. Um, the next thing I have, uh, I went a little younger. Uh, with these next two, but again, these are ones I can totally see happening. First one out of the last two, Maya Hawk, uh, known for Stranger Things, um, Do Revenge, and what was she's in a lot of stuff recently. But I can see her also playing not so much a violent uh, Ghost of Christmas President, even though I get why she uses pain because her whole thing is that. Um, Sometimes the truth is painful in that she, I mean, when she meets Bill Murray, she kicks him in the balls, for God's sakes. But, so, Maya Hawks won, but my last name on here, which, knowing how Hollywood is, they would see her as, like, the the definite go-to because she has a very distinctive voice right now, especially with, kind of, her comedy, and that's Aquafina, known for Crazy Rich Asians, Uh, what was that? movie she just did where she was a cop and she was trying to find the killer and do you know what I'm talking about? She's mm. like a police officer and I can't think of what the movie oh, is. Oh, is that the one where she that's the one with the Nicholas I Cage. just watched it not long ago. Was it the one with Nicholas Cage? Because she was a cop in that. With Nicholas Cage? Which one was that? The Vampire. Are we talking about the same person? Oh, Renfield! Yeah, okay, yeah, no, that way, okay, no, yeah, she was recently on Renfield. Okay, I, I knew, I was like, she was in a cop, I remember her, because I thought, man, that bulletproof vest on her looks so huge. Um, Do you think she, Sean William Scott would be good for this? 
I feel like Sean William Scott's time has passed. <laughs> uh, Which I don't understand why he's. He, he was. He was. He, he stiffler. got typecasted. He was stiffler, and he will always be stiffler, and that's the problem. But anyway, um, Mr. yeah. Woodcock was I think. Oh my Mr. god! Oh, dude, that. No, not Billy Bob. Yeah, Billy Bob. Maybe early '90s Billy Bob, but he was kind of more of a serious actor but, back in the early '90s. He did Sling Blade. If you take Bad Santa, but I don't want. We don't need ultra. I mean, I guess it could be R-rated, but like, I don't Are you know. fucking with me right now? Are you now? fucking with me right now? <laughs> Jesus, you want to? You want me to make you some sandwiches? I'm on uh, my fucking lunch break. I'm on my fucking dude. That that like he's not even have his hat or beard on. Like yeah. I don't get that. All right, uh, let's head into our next category. <laughs> All right, everyone, we're in our second category of the episode. We are in what we call, Can You Get Us to 88 in Three Minutes? little play on a quote from the movie, um, which is our just our normal gun it to 88 section. We are gunning it to November 23rd, 1988. Um, this film had a budget of $32 million and went on to make over $13 million its opening weekend, with a, and it would eventually go on to make over $60 million uh, through its theatrical run. But you saw on, was it on Google when you Googled mm-hmm. it? And it's made over $100 million now? So that, it's, it's a very successful movie. It's a cult classic now. Um, it definitely wasn't well-beloved at first, Um which we'll get to that very shortly. Let's talk about the top ten box office, which uh, we got number one, Scrooged. Number two, The Land Before Time, or what Jason thought was was, uh, Land of the Lost. Uh, Number three, Oliver and Company. Number four, Cocoon, The Return. Number five, Ernest Saves Christmas. Number six, Child's Play. Number seven, High Spirits. Number eight, The Accused. And number nine, Fresh Horses. And number 10, Mystic Pizza, which uh, Julia Roberts did a movie for Netflix recently, and it's, it looks, it's like a well-shot movie, but it, I could not sit here and tell you 100% what the plot was. Yeah. Like, the movie is... I've never even left. heard of Mystic Pizza. Mystic, well, Mystic Pizza is not this movie. Mystic Pizza is actually a real place. You can actually, like, go and... It's, like, a pizza place. Uh, but um, it's that one place that... Um, well, you probably know the reference of Ron Swanson and being confused with Julia Roberts being that toothy girl from Mystic Pizza. <laughs> <laughs> but... Um, yeah, as I was pointing out, though, the critics were not a huge fan of this movie at first. Um, Roger Ebert, for instance, said this was the worst film adaptation of A Christmas Carol he had ever seen. Highly disagreed with that. Um, I get it, you know, The Muppets Christmas Carol is a classic. George C. Scott's is great. But this one, like, I get why some people could see some problems with it, but, like, I think Frank Cross might be worse than Scrooge. Because Scrooge is just, like, this guy who became, like, this mean-spirited person just because of, kind of, his upbringing and, kind of, the the hand he was dealt. And then Frank Cross is just a dick to be a dick, really. Like, there's no really redeeming quality about him at all until uh, Karen Allen's character, uh... 
uh, Claire comes in, but um, yeah, he's just a dick. Like that's the best way to describe Frank Cross. Yes, uh, he's a typical businessman. He's a typical. He's he's the he, what he would call a titan of industry, or what he called Lou at least. Um, but on top of that, uh, this is what it kind of has around the interwebs. It has a 6.9 out of 10 on IMDb, a 71% on Rotten Tomatoes with a 71% audience score. So weirdly last week with Jurassic Park, the 91, 91, now we got a 71, 71, um, Letterboxd D score of a 3.3 out of five. I personally give it a four out of five. Um, it has a 4.0 out of 5 on Google with one average Joe reviewer saying this movie is both succulent and creamy and is hilarious <laughs> holiday treat. Murray's acting could, could be compared to a radioactive donkey in the Canadian wilderness. What the hell? I literally, what I do, you've seen me do it where I just like scroll and stop. I saw Canadian wilderness and I knew I had the perfect one. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, um, so... There's, like, this big plot point about the VCR as a gift. You either got a towel or a VCR as a gift. So, let's talk about the kind of gift a VCR was back in 1988. So... It was expensive. It was very expensive. For instance, I mean, so, remember, the first Fast and Furious movie dealt with DVD players. How did he pick <laughs> and choose who he would give a towel to? For my guess, because he, as you know, he gives his own brother a towel. Like, he wants to gift him a towel, even though Grace, being the angel of a woman she is, she gives him the VCR, um, which uh, Frank admits to at the end with that incredible speech, which we'll get into in a little bit. Um, but... Uh, I feel like when you hear the list, it sounds like they're if it was someone of higher importance in the business, they got the VCR. Glenn Glenn Whitaker. What was the last rating on Poliso? Five point two Nielsen seven a share and TVQ three. Towel. Your brother. Towel. Your only brother. Oh God, Grace, give it to me. Get that. Towel. 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 The agent. Ah, uh, thank you. Most of these are towel. Be wrong ones, okay? Mr. Rhinelander's on his way down. <sighs> but if you're just some Mo Schmo, because I mean, he get again his own brother and his loyal secretary who deals with all of his bullshit, towels, and don't forget a hand cloth or whatever his or her bonus is. Uh, but yeah, so that would make, again that would make anyone want to quit. Exactly, but she. Uh, but Grace is stuck. She is a woman of color in the 1980s. There, she doesn't have as many opportunities as uh, as anyone else would. Uh, white, or if she was white, or um, well, uh, yeah, if she was white, you know, uh, 1980s. I was about to say another race, but I was like, no, they would also have a hard time. This is the 80s. <laughs> uh, but uh, but anyway, back to the excitement of a VCR as a gift. Uh, VCR back in the day. When it was released, a typical VCR cost from five hundred to fifteen hundred dollars. In twenty twenty two money, that's about one thousand to three thousand dollars. So I wonder what, why the difference in that's price. two PS fives with well, Spider Man two. So the fifteen hundred dollar one must have all the bells and whistles. It has to. It has to have like, I, I wonder if it has a self rewind feature. I bet that's would be the kicker. Like you should look up the. What was considered the bee's knees VCR of 1988. But, while you do that, 
I think it's time to hop back into this time period and talk about some fun facts. I'm just telling you, if the Lunchables were made properly, you wouldn't put chicken nuggets in there. But anyway, um, so we are in 70% jolly facts, as I like to put it, or just, you know, our 70% facts, because 70% of the time, they might be right every time. Um, so, for our first fun fact, we have Cody with the info, well, some of the info, we couldn't find everything, but info on the VCR knowledge. So, in, 19, in the 1980s, there's two brands that were regarded as, in their terms, the Holy Grail of VCRs, and that would be Panasonic and Sony, and those would probably be the $1,500 brands. But we couldn't find the special features, sadly. Yeah. Which, I think's annoying. You think there'd be, like... is So there's, like, no photos or catalog J- information? And then you also had brands like JVC and... Mitsubishi. I think our VCR was a JVC. And Mitsubishi also made. Do you notice, like, weirdly VCR VHS shits all of a sudden becoming big again? Mm-hmm. Like, what? It just seemed it's like... It's just, like, vinyls. I get it, but, like, I'm not going to lie, like, the VCR, that like, I've shared the VHSs I bought recently on the Instagram, and, um, and, yeah, I, I really buy them for the aesthetic, like, how some people just buy books to put them on a shelf, I, but I'm specifically aiming for, like, all-time favorite movies, um, and, yeah, I'd put this movie on there, but anyway, let's get back into our jolly fa- facts here, but I really, it has to be, like, a self-rewinding feature, maybe you know what i wonder if because i know watching the goldbergs they had like a vcr but then they had a rewinder so it had to be like it had a self-rewinding feature that had to be it so you didn't have to buy the separate rewinder 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 uh (laughs) can't pronounce the r's yeah (laughs) but anyway uh so filmy began in 1987 when <clears throat> God, whole coat. Let me take a drink. <laughs> God, that is fresh. Anyway, uh, <laughs> filming began in December 1987 when Christmas approaching. Director Richard Donner asked if the production could have Christmas Day off, but Paramount was like, "Nah, they refused." So he was like, "All right." Let's play chess here. So what he did, he fired the entire, like, everyone. Bill Murray down to, like, the guy who brings the bagels. Everyone's canned for two days. And then on uh, on December 26th, he rehired everyone so that everybody could spend time with their family on Christmas. Which was a really solid move by Richard Donner. Really, uh, yeah, what what's the word that's that's a boss move like this is what i'm gonna do fuck you paramount uh bill murray falling on his way out of the restaurant was unscripted in a genuine accident um as evidenced by the react reaction of the actor playing the raider uh damn it why is uh, i can't talk tonight for some weird reason um as indicated when the waiter he's like you can see like after bill murray falls he kind of does this like almost like he's gonna look at the camera but you can tell he just pro- richard daughter was probably like no just keep going with it. <laughs> but it's like a funny bit because he falls hard on the ground and where he falls and how he gets back up it's just solid and the way he like straightens up his jacket and just and yeah just walk that is a man of dignity right there um 
but yeah, uh, so there's that. And so later on, uh, when we see, or, uh, when we see him and his brother walking down the street and he makes fun of the street musicians, it's actually led by Paul Schaefer and Miles Davis, along with, uh, David Sanborn and Larry Carlton. Paul Schaefer, for people who may not know, is the, uh, band leader from David Letterman days. He was also Hermes in Hercules, if you, a little fun fact for you. Um, that is a 100% fact right there. He's 74 years old now. Paul, uh, Paul Schaefer. Schaefer? Wow. Man, I, it's weird. I have, like, I feel like some days I've lost the concept of time. Just realize this. Here in a probably two decades, a lot of these people from the 80s that were born in, like, what? Bill Murray was born in the... 50s. You're about to really depress me right now. We're just, so we're they're, gonna U-turn they, it and get back to where be we. Gone. <laughs> it's like the guy taught like uh, I'm gonna say his name wrong, so I'm not even gonna bring up the reference. Anywho, <laughs> this was uh, Bill Murray's first starring role since uh, Ghostbusters 1984, as we mentioned in our What If section. Uh, he had been living in Paris, and he was seriously, seriously consider uh, quitting because of um, the failure of his passion project, Razor's Edge, as I mentioned. Um, when Frank is startled by an actor who thinks it, uh, he thinks is the ghost of Christmas past, he elbows his secretary Grace in the face. That was real. Uh, Bill Murray did hit Alfred Woodard in the uh, in the face by mistake. But what I love about that scene is when he's like, his heroic action of saving Grace is, run, go watch the show. And he keeps saying that every time she's like trying to calm him down. He's like, no, Grace, no, go, run, go watch the show. <laughs> it's like, okay, yeah, that will that will keep her safe. Good idea. <laughs> um, on the Frisbee show, the little dog, uh, him and his little dog suit, uh, when Frank is in the dog suit, uh, there's a tree on the set with a heart engraving that says Dick loves Lauren, referring to Richard Donner, uh, Donner and his wife, producer, Lauren Schuler Donner. Um, when uh, Frank throws water on the wait waiter when he's quote-unquote burning, when, when we know he's not, but he thinks he is. He I'm sorry. You know, I thought you were Richard Pryor. So, yeah. that's a real-life event. Richard Pryor, while uh, freebasing cocaine, accidentally set himself on fire. And what he did was to try to put the flames out, he decided to run down a busy street in L.A. So, so this was real life. This was a real-life reference. And a that, lot of people probably got it back then. <laughs> so they were like, oh, oh, oh. It was probably like the back then Leo, like, oh, yeah. <laughs> and it's funny because, like, I bet, like, some people would be like, oh, man, that's a dick thing to say because of, you know, drug problems. But it's, like, I feel like with comedians, like, it's kind of a thing to, like... Rag on each other. Like, I feel like that shows, like, you know what, man? Yeah, that was a hard time, but let's laugh about it now. Like, that's behind us now. Let's move on. But also, it, knowing the story of just... I can see Richard Pryor. <laughs> just buck-ass dude. Just, yeah, especially if you've seen him in... Uh, What's that movie? There's this movie. I can't... I want to say it's moving or moving in or something like that. But he's like... 
he's a very skinny dude. It's very obvious he's a skinny dude. So I can't even imagine the the image of that. I um, didn't know that Richard Pryor died in two thousand five. Dude, yeah, though that was a sad time. Um, it, ah, man, there's his some of his favorite movies of his that I love are him with, with Richard or not Richard Pryor. He is Richard Pryor. Um, Ah, Willy Wonka, the original Willy Wonka. What's his name? Gene Wilder. Gene. I, I, his name escaped me for a second there. He died young, too. Richard? Yeah, he was yeah. 65. Yeah, I mean, you know, he, he had a life, but, you know, it's a hell of a life, but, you know, Heart it attack. is sad. Yeah. Um, and then Gene Wilder sadly passed a few years as well. Well, not a few years. It's been a while. as well. See? No concept of time. Anyway, <laughs> um, so... Elaine May did an uncredited rewrite on the script. In a, in, in a 1988 interview, Bill Murray praised May, and he went on to say, she really has a major coconut on top of her head. It sort of uh, turned out to be her movie. She took the script home one night and rewrote the whole thing in one night. So um, when Bill Murray came first came on, he wasn't like a really big fan of the script, and one of the things he was like really big on them working on was um his whole relationship with claire and again i've stated uh earlier that i think claire's like the most important part of this movie like because otherwise it's just about a an asshole (laughs) (laughs) um and for my last fact here i have preston tells frank that in america there are 27 million cats 48 million dogs and then says quite seriously that IBC needs to start gearing programming towards them. As of 2015, there are several dogs and cat-specific channels on Roku and Netflix. I've seen them on Netflix as well. Uh, I don't have it written, but I just wanted to mention that. I, I used to. I usually turn it on for my dogs at home when I leave. See, that's uh, that supply dedicated pet programming it's, based on scientific I, studies on what they invested. in. I think in. it's the colors of the on the screen that gets the dogs. Well, I think it's like, cause I mean, you gotta think like they're still animals, so they still have those desires of like <clears throat> wanting to be outside in nature and stuff like that. And so I think that's a large part of those kind of videos. I personally never did it because I understand electric bills, but uh, <laughs> that's neither here nor there. So, but yeah, that was our uh, facts. Um, let's. So, I guess the only thing to do now is take a little break and get into our uh, next section. Oh, and you should give Christy a shout out about that sweatshirt that you're. Oh wearing. yeah, yeah, my uh, my. Well, I already I sent her a snap to and I put like in little parentheses, dude of my word. Uh, but it says unpaid movie critic. I actually put it on the Instagram last night, so uh, I keep calling it the Instagram. So I sound like really old. Anyway, we are in her last category of the evening. Christy always gets a shout out. I, I feel like we've mentioned her like every other episode recently. About something she hates or something. Yeah. <laughs> it's always... A, we love her. We love her. We swear. Uh, she's awesome. But anyway, um, yeah, we are in our last category, uh, notes and quotes. Um, and so, uh, with this, I like I liked the whole, like, choosing five, picking five thing. Um, so, for my first quote, I put the one... Um, it's where they... We just talked about it with the whole, like, cat thing. And he's in the elevator, and he's telling him to, like, 
you need to memorize this thing, uh, this dossier thing about, the, like, the cat and dog research. But the whole time he's talking to him, he never hands it to Frank, and Frank literally has to snatch it from him as the elevator door closes. And after it closes, Frank just goes, if only I could fire that poor son of a bitch. <laughs> um, so is the, the door closing as he does it? Yeah, yeah, like because, he, because he's telling him he, I want you to memorize this uh, first thing, and he's just holding it like this close in front of him, like right next to his chest. People, I know you can't see me, and he, and so like the doors are closing, and Bill Murray's like, "Oh, I need that thing," and he's not gonna hand it to me, so he like reaches in real which quick. Which is funny because if you do that in a regular elevator, the door will still open if you put your hand in front of it. Yeah, because of the sensors yeah. now, but back then it must have been like... No, because even in the movie, like, the doors are closing during the Ghost of Christmas Future thing, and he stops them. I don't know why it, he it. made... <laughs> I guess it's a funny gag. <laughs> um, the first scene I have is... Um, well, it's the opening with the fake uh, IBC trailers. Mm -hmm. For instance... Uh, 7 o'clock. Psycho sees Santa's workshop. This and only Lee Majors can stop them. The night the reindeer die. Eight thirty, and America's best loved singer invites you to share a home-style holiday. When it's Bob Goulet's old-fashioned Cajun Christmas. Nine o'clock, IBC presents America's favorite family in a special Christmas episode. Hi, Mom. Where's Dad? Should have been home by now. Well, Wally, I know your father is out chasing beaver. Father loves beaver. Here on IBC, you'll love it. I would 150% watch The Night the Reindeer Died <laughs> about, like, forces going after Santa Claus and Lee Majors, the $6 million man, which I'm waiting for the Mark Wahlberg movie to still come out. He's going to get too old and not be able to do it. Like, it's just... What is Mark Wahlberg's next movie? I don't know, man. I'm still waiting to run into him in Columbus. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that whole thing, and then that last one of... Father loves Beaver. <laughs> he just oh, cracks me up. Mark Wahlberg's next movie is Arthur the King. Huh. Oh, is it the dog movie? It's in 2024 based on a true story of a racer whose best friend, yep, is a stray dog. Oh, man. He's going to die. Anyway, um, <laughs> my next quote is... Wasn't he a medical genius? Calvin, I think doctor is a Latin word for thief. $200 I don't have to tell me that you don't speak. I'm your mother. No, you don't speak yet. What's your money? You're going to surprise a lot of people. Yes, you are. You start talking, then go to law school and sue his butt off. Okay. I just like that. It's the first scene that, well, that it, it's... Yeah, that's the first scene we meet Calvin before uh, we see him on the set. And uh, Frank pretty much starts asking if he's uh, a spy, which why would there be an eight-year-old spy on the set? Anyway, that's another here or there. <laughs> but it, we start getting the setup of Grace's life and then Calvin being our... Oh, excuse yeah, me. <laughs> it came out fucking nowhere. It's um, the McDonald's. It's the McDonald's. 
Sponsored by McDonald's. No, we're not. No, we are not <laughs> I don't sponsored. Think so. yeah. I might have to edit that out. Or McDonald's might out. come back and be like, hey. This podcast is no way affiliated with McDonald's Corporation. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, like, it sets up the Calvin being our Tiny Tim, uh, our, our catalyst for Tiny Tim, and Grace being our Bob Cratchit, even though some people would argue that... Um, a very great character, um, Elliot Loudermout, is also a Bob Cratchit-like character. But I I guess that you could say they probably cut the, some aspects of him in half and gave it to him. But I see more Grace as Bob Cratchit than anyone. Um, the next scene I have is... Uh, oh, oh, crap, crap, crap. Cuts and quotes. Nope. Wait, where did... Wait, some other quotes. Top five quotes. Oh, okay, there's my scene. Sorry. Um, the next thing I have is when we meet Claire and I love that when we first, we get the phone call first where he looks at his watch and says, since we talked but but I really need to talk to you right now I something terrible has happened or maybe not I don't know but I whatever I have to talk to you no matter what it's urgent call me at any hour my number is 674-9565 damn the fact that he looks at his watch before he says 15 years it, but he takes a real solid great comedic beat like i'm going to sit here and act like i am actually trying to determine how long it's been since i've talked to this woman um, and also it kind of sets up the backstory we're going to need for their characters and then um but yeah she comes in and we even get this like magical like music lumpy lumpy I'm sorry to just, well, I didn't get your message until this morning, and I, I tried to call, but they said that you weren't, you weren't in yet, and then I tried to call back, and they said that you were busy, so I just, God, you look different. Well, it's been a while. Nickname, Lumpy. Um, Lumpy. <laughs> which we, we find out why it's Lumpy when we meet the Ghost of Christmas Past, but, uh, yeah, it's just this great, and then we get this one line after the, the, uh, staple the staple the antlers to the mouse's head scene where Frank says to her same old Claire still trying to save the world you still trying to run it <laughs> it's a perfect setup of like this is this is the wedge that's something right there that's what happened right there it sums up everything gives us good backstory we know how long it's been it's Really yes. solid writing to set up that backstory for us without belittling us. It's this is the way. This is the way. 
the greater good. I'm not editing that in. <laughs> um, my next quote is um, when, of course, um, Lou comes into the office. That was a good one. How are you, kid? You were... Uh, you excuse me? I'll make myself a little drink. hitting leave frank but take it easy on the bacardi i i find it i guess in 80s time like bacardi would be like this newer fancier kind of rum well bacardi's still pretty popular right i i sound so fucking old <laughs> but but going on though my next scene is of course from the ghost of christmas past and one uh, bacardi was not a new rum then when was oh no? It was made in the nineteen fifties, wasn't it? No, eighteen fifties. Eighteen sixty two. Oh man, I was getting in there. Cuba. Cuba. I went. So it, he just might really just like Picardy then, because I, I don't think of Picardy as high high end to where I would say something like that if I was you know okay. dead. What is the most expensive rum? Oh um. I used to actually know one of my first jobs I eventually was I worked at a Kroger's within a liquor store so I used to actually know this shit on like the back of my hand I I mean maybe for someone like uh, Cross he could probably afford this but (laughs) a regular person could not Um, Dictator M City Golden City Series is the most expensive rum in the world 1.5 1.5 million. Ooh, damn. I mean, if you can afford a couple VCRs during Christmas time, you can afford a bottle of that. <laughs> but no one's going to say that entire mouthful of what oh, no, is no, called no, no, in no. a movie. They just they were like Bacardi's guy. I, I, I love the line, though, regardless. Anyway, going on, since we've been stuck on that one. The Ghost of Christmas Pass, though. This is my favorite ghost in the movie. The one because that takes him. The, go- the cabbie, yeah. yeah. Because, one, if I was a ghost... Fuck it, I'll be an asshole. Why not? Like, what about you gonna do? Kill, Kill me? me? Shoot me? What is it gonna do? <laughs> but I just love. We his... watched that, and you were like, "I love how he's licensed through." He's licensed through New York. <laughs> it, it puts my me, mind at it ease. It puts my mind at ease because it, it even on the license it says the Ghost of Christmas Past. He's like, oh, "Okay, New York certified. They at least know he's on the road." <laughs> Which, it's interesting because we see that he does I- interact with people. He interacts with Claire at the end when she when she says, how fast uh, can you get me to the IBC building? And, Which floor? Uh, <laughs> and But um, what my favorite thing, though, is how he keeps bringing up the, you're going to cry. Like, yeah, like he's going to, hey, the Niagara Falls, Frankie. But- this is where I grew up. I thought they tore this place down. They did. Guess my dad hasn't put up our Christmas lights yet. Oh, for Christ's sakes, Frank, it's Christmas Eve. I get it. You're taking me back in time to show me my mother and father, and I'm supposed to get all goosey and blubbery. Well, forget it, pal. You got the wrong guy. That's exactly what Adelita Hahn said. But when he saw his mother, Niagara Falls... 
And it is, what's even better is, like, he gets up close to him after he crawls and goes, Niagara Falls, Frankie Angel. <laughs> like, he adds a little, like, pepper onto it, a little spice on there uh, <laughs> to add insult to injury. But, yeah, that's, if I was a ghost, I'd totally be that. And then, like, as I was saying earlier, like, or I'd go to Boston and just do really annoying Boston impressions to piss everyone Tom off. Tom Brady sucks. <laughs> Tom Brady dropped it. What are you talking about? It will make sense one day, I swear. <laughs> Get out of here, you fucking the ghost. The Celtics suck. I can never say that. But anyway. <laughs> the Heat um, were better. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> um, my next quote, though, is that... Um, when he finds out that the he gets handed the newspaper that the IBC um, commercial of his Scrooged promo killed a woman. I just love that. Have you seen this morning's paper, Frank? Oh, who's that? She's pretty. She's <laughs> dead, Frank. Apparently this 80-year-old grandmother was watching your Scrooge promo last night and she just, she just keeled over. It scared her to death. This is terrific! I knew that, Edward! You can't buy publicity like this! Gah! It's, in, in all fairness, I mean, that does, like, peak interest of, like, fuck, how scary is this commercial, man? Like, how many times in high school were you told about a video where you're like, dude, you should watch it. It's the freakiest thing I've ever seen. And you're like, no, I'm not going to check it out. And then, like, and then you're like over at a friend's house and then like they go, have you seen this one video? And you're like, do you want to watch it? And then it's the story that's happened 50 times, I swear to God. Yes, the videos <laughs> on the internet. The ever. videos. Sal- well, Salad Fingers wasn't, what was this one? No, I, I'm talking There's about this one the where more this... uh, racy and edgy ones that we probably shouldn't say on the podcast. Well, I remember, well, I, I don't even know, I was about to say some ones that don't even feel racy, but there's like, you had to go into some weird places, like, E-Bob's world used to be a dark place to go to, like, people don't realize how scary of a place like, that could be sometimes. The Jar? The yeah, Jar? I know, I mean, if I give you more context, you'll know, but. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, that one okay. kind but, of, kind but, of, like, uh, the stuff back then. Yeah, like it would be like you you'd put your hand over your mouth and be like, "What the Dear hell?" Jesus. And okay, which one did I just do? Okay, I did the publicity one, so I need to go back to uh, my scenes. My next scene is, of course, um, and this is going to probably reveal a lot about me. That final speech makes me cry so damn hard when he starts talking about the miracle and like how it can happen to anyone. It's Christmas Eve. It's it's the one night of the year when we all act a little nicer. We 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 smile a little easier. We 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 we, we share a little more. For a couple of hours out of the whole year, we are the people that we always hoped we would be. It's a miracle. It's really a sort of a miracle because it happens every Christmas Eve. And if you waste that miracle, you're gonna burn for it. I know what I'm talking about. You have to do something. You have to take a chance. You do have to get involved. There are people that are having having trouble making their miracle happen. There are people that don't have enough to eat. There are people that are cold. 
you can go out and say hello to these people. You can take an old blanket out of the closet and say, here, you can make them a sandwich and say, oh, by the way, here. I get it now. And if you, if you give, then, you, then it can happen. Then the miracle can happen to you. It's not just the poor and the hungry. It's, it's everybody who's got to have this miracle. And it can happen tonight for all of you. If you believe in this spirit thing, you, you, the miracle will happen, and then you'll want it to happen again tomorrow. You won't be one of these bastards who says Christmas is once a year and it's a fraud. It's not. It can happen every day. You've just got to want that feeling. And if you like it and you want it, you'll get greedy for it. You'll want it every day of your life, and it can happen to you. I, don't, I believe in it now. I believe it's going to happen to me now. I'm ready for it. And I, It's great. It's a good feeling. It's, it's really better than I've felt in a long time. I, I, I'm ready. Have a Merry Christmas, everybody. Did I forget something, big man? I don't feel like Bill Murray's acting in this moment anymore. There feels like there's this authenticity because he is genuinely crying and he ends it with saying that it's and it's the best he's felt in a very long time. It's, you know, he's feeling good and then we get Calvin's little thing of God bless us everyone, you know, Tiny Tim's thing. And it's really just like a touching speech, but I think it mainly works and it's all credit to Frank being a piece of shit the whole movie. I know that's a weird way to put it, but uh, if Frank's not a piece of shit the entire... I feel like that's sticking out so far. Does that look like it's sticking out a lot? I'm not going to touch it because we're recording. Uh, but if Frank isn't an asshole... Maybe if, you have to clean it out like you do your cell phone. Maybe I do. Um, but if Frank's not an asshole the entire movie... Um, we don't feel this big emotional, like, like we're so happy that this... Because, again, you need an actor who is both, like, you you see him as an asshole, but there's still this likable quality to him. And I feel like Bill Murray, because the whole movie, he's, like, like, fighting stuff the whole time. Like, he's just fighting a lot about, like, whatever Christmas is, like, he's refusing to go to his brother's house on Christmas, he tells James, don't start with him, when he just asks him, are, so are you coming to dinner? He's, don't start, James, it's like, what is he starting, man? Like, he just asked you, like, you want to come to dinner? Like, okay, yeah, what are we having? Like, I'll come to dinner, I'm, uh, why not? It's Christmas, you're my brother, like, they clearly have this, James clearly looks at Frank very heroically and judging from the flashback we get it makes me wonder if there is some sort of there is an untold story about something that they had to experience with their parents because um clearly like and uh, the thing is with seeing frank's past like his dad really is the one who at four years old when this this little boy and this goes back to his speech um, this, he, there's this little boy who wanted a choo-choo, and he was given me beef and a life lesson. Go out and go buy yourself a choo-choo. All day, I sit there and work. Like, being the stereotypical asshole dad who just can't, like, 
fucking work to get your kid the choo-choo, man. It's not hard to just do it. You you, you make it a goal. And the It's Christmas. And the choo-choos probably weren't that much, to be honest. It was probably cheaper than the veal, but we do see that he is a butcher. So it's yeah. pretty much him. Again, giving. he's talking about hard work. It's like, work hard to like give your kid like a good Christmas, man. Don't be a dick. But again, that's that's where I come back to this with the speech and he starts crying and he's talking about the magic of Christmas and it's about giving and you want to, you know, it's something you could get addicted to this, this great feeling and you'll want it all the time and you'll, you will want it every day. You know, he's, I'm going to make myself cry if I keep going. Um, but, um, he, that's, that's the four year old coming back in him. That's the, that's the kid who wanted the choo choo right there. That's the kid who, for Christmas, he wanted Santa to bring him a choo-choo. And you, there's something magical about Christmas time. And that's, that's what's so, that's why this movie was rated a little lower before we did this episode, I won't lie. But re-watching it and seeing that speech and thinking about, like, what we see of Frank and this, this character build. Again, like, Bill Murray being this, like, this comedic, known as this comedic actor, but you, we go back to the Razor's Edge failure, and Razor's Edge was proof that there's this man, this comedian, who he has something deeper to say, and then in this movie, he gets this, he gets to almost ride this line to where he gets to be the funny Bill Murray, but he also gets to be that Razor's Edge Bill Murray. Well, it's, it, I've noticed that a lot of comedians don't, when they're in comedy for so long, it's very hard for them to break into something else, like Jim Carrey and then Jim, I think if he stayed more the route of um, Eternal Sunshine on the Spotless Mind is one of my all-time favorite movies. Breaks my heart, but it's so... If that isn't a message of, like, we learn from the past no matter how painful it can be, and it goes back to his speech, you know, like... He's lear- he, he had to go learn from the past, you know, and then we meet Carol Kane's the Ghost of Christmas Present, who she literally is punching him and kicking him in the balls and h- poking him in the eye, and she says the line of, uh... I'm going off to track. I will say Adam Sandler has successfully done it. Adam Sandler's done it really well. Bill Murray has transitioned, but he's kind of... He does his Wes Anderson stuff, but, like... He did this movie called St. Vincent that was really... I thought was good. It's not great. It's not, like, a great movie, but I thought, like, the movie and the characters were really well done. Melissa McCarthy's in it, and it's actually, like... Oh, is that the one with the kid who has to go over... Yeah, he's, like, out of his house? Yeah, and he goes over... Dude, when he, like, um, gets the medal at the end, and he thanks him and calls him sir, don't know why I cried. I don't know what's (laughs) with me sometimes. I get emotional at the... If a movie makes me cry, I'm gonna love it. I will say Jonah Hill has done it very early. (sighs) 
he's a complicated man anymore. But um, but no, like um, Bill Murray's done it. Will Ferrell could have done it if he would have stayed on track with. Um, he did this movie. It's an indie co- dark comedy called um, Stranger Than Fiction. It's more serious, and he actually does really well. It's more of a really like settled down role for him, and but he does great in it. Um. Okay, so I my last quote is going back to the ghost of um, Christmas present after they are at his brother's house, which, again, we get our reference. There's a lot of, like, different Christmas movie reference here in this movie, and this one, I would say, is It's a Wonderful Life. And we even get, um, if you listen to it, he, well, James salutes his brother after opening the VCR because, like, his wife says, you know, why, when are you going to, like, stop inviting him? And he tells him, well, never, you know, he's my brother, you know, I love him. And he says, to a toast, my brother, I wish he was here, and they, like, keep the, keep the VCR, you know. But, um, so, after that, they, they toast him. They start doing the whole SS Minnow thing, and Carol Kane picks up the toaster, it hits him in the face, and he gets sent into what I think is supposed to be a, I don't want to say subway, but like access tunnel to the sewage system, I believe. I don't know. He's definitely underground, though, because he's like trying to yell for help. But um, that's where we uh, get the line of him saying... favorites i need to pull up the cast list because i keep no it's okay i remember the character's name never mind haha didn't forget it um and so the last scene i have um listed before i we probably mention a few others here is that uh frank being hunted by elliot loudermilk oh boy remember me boss the guy you can the day before christmas merry christmas hello rabbit would you give me a running start? Sure. 'Cause it's the one scene, it's right before he runs into the Ghost of Christmas Future, but like I never realized how funny Bobcat uh Bobcat um oh my god, what's his last name? I'm blanking on it all of a sudden. Uh Goldwater Bo- Bobcat Goldwater. <laughs> I'm terrible with names. He's a funny dude. Like he is genuinely a funny guy and like he, like, doesn't do his voice a lot in this movie, but when he does, it's just, like, at the perfect little moments. Excuse me, sir. Yes? Mr. Cross, what exactly does that ad have to do with Scrooge? 
Nothing. Why? Well, you can't show that commercial. If you run that, you're gonna you're gonna frighten people. You think I'm way off base here? Yes, you're well, you're a tad off base, sir. Um, that thing looked like the, the Manson family Christmas special. Well, it's a little late to get this kind of feedback. That's because um, this is the first time I've ever seen it, sir. You're right, I sprung it on you. Well, it's, it's not that bad. It's just lose, like, um, you know the part with the gun and the blood? All right. And the guy um, shooting I, up, and then they, they... If I can change it, I'll let you know in five minutes. And especially because he's supposed to be, like, blind, stinking, drunk. <laughs> um, and then, uh, yeah, so do you have any other notes or quotes that you can think of by chance? Because I know it's been a while. You watched some stuff with me, just a few some scenes while we were eating our Mickey D's, which we are not sponsored by. I just think how, <laughs> in that scene with him and his, his, I'm assuming his boss, like... Oh, at the dinner? Yeah, I feel like any, <laughs> in the real world, any boss that would see that would be like, alright, you need some time away, or... Well, that's why uh, the one guy, um, the, the... <sighs> Crap, I knew I needed, I knew I needed to bring up the cast list. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> I know, I, I just keep wanting to call him Lionel Luther, because that's what I keep uh, remembering from. Um, let me just pull up the cast list here. I usually already have it up, I'm sorry. Uh, Bryce, Bryce Cummings, that's his name. Um, that's, Bryce Cummings is supposed to kind of be almost like setting up to be his replacement, which is a shitty move, uh, for sure. <laughs> but um, That's how they do it in the that's, business. That's how, it's show, it's show, it's not your business, it's show business. I could never cut it out in that that world. Too cutthroat. Too cutthroat. Yeah, we just like podcasts. <laughs> but uh, that's New York for you. But one of my favorite parts of that because we already brought up the whole Richard Pryor stuff and that, but we have possibly the snootiest white waiter, and he says this thing when he just starts freaking out after the uh, mistaken eyeball when he orders the highball to do. Um, <laughs> and he goes, I think I'm fine. Sorry, I. Are you him? Are you him? Are you he? I'll take it away. What, what is this? Have you ever said, Are you he? That's. Have no, you ever gone, have, no one, I've never read that in a book. I've never read it in a sock. I will not read it here and I will not read it there. <laughs> I feel like the writers just kind of flopped on that. By the way, Cody. Scene. Do you like my Godzilla minus one I know, poster? I've been looking at it. I was like, I gotta go see that movie. It's so fucking good. It's so good. Uh, you know, the you aren't the first person to tell me that you are emotionally connected to those characters because usually in a, he because we I, were at, continue. Sorry. We were at trivia, and the guy who runs trivia said the same thing. He was like, usually Godzilla movies are just you know. Wait, wait. Can I know context? Why was he? Why how? They're like friends with Christy and Nathan. Okay, so they, he just came up to the table. Okay, yeah. okay, okay. So he was setting everything up, and they asked him how Godzilla was, and he was like, you know, most Godzilla films, it's all about action, destroying stuff and everything. You don't get... I, I could, he, In his words, he was like, I could care less about the characters, the human characters. But he was like, this one, I was actually really fucking emotional for some people. Dude. Okay, so like... I'm not trying to be PC or whatever, but, like, we are taught a certain amount of history in school. Yeah. We are never taught, 
we are taught that kamikaze pilots are suicidal people. We 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 are not given that these are humans behind there. This movie took something that we we have no knowledge of and like made me understand it differently. But like the themes were also like relatable because it's 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 based after the war, so there's a lot of PTSD. It's about you know rebuilding. It's about tradition. There's so many. You actually give a shit about what's happening because it follows. I can't. I'm not even going to try to say his name. I'm not even going to insult the movie in that way. But yeah, a lot. <laughs> Takashi Yakuma. Because all right, my thing. Takashi is... Yamaka Yamazaka. He wrote it, directed it, did special effects for it, and this guy is a. You can tell he, this is someone who loved the movie, but loves movies. He knew like. I need to make this movie connect in a different way that the movies haven't. I, I you can read my I have a whole ass review on Letterboxd, Bry underscore movie underscore guy, um, but it's I can I I want to give it a full review, but I've been I'm not great with words, and I run a podcast, so I know how that is, but I feel like there's so much I want to say about the movie, and I don't know how <laughs> because it's. It, it, there's there's so many elements that happen throughout it because there's actual like you want to see everyone succeed and like usually with the modern Godzilla movies you just like yeah I want to see Godzilla kick ass but you're like no you want to see these people kill Godzilla yeah that's, and think... that's so different than what we're used to now even with like that Brian Cranston one it's like when that radioactive one that actually killed Brian Cranston's wife comes up you're like Okay, yeah, we want Godzilla to kill that, and he lifts his mouth open and pretty much atomic Breathe. throws up into him, um, which yeah. is still a badass kill. But it does look like he's just puking into his mouth. The, the, I think the Americanized ones are less. It, it there's American. a less emotional impact because it's become, and it's not to say you can't enjoy these movies. I don't want people thinking like, but this, this Godzilla minus one's a film. You know how I am about that word. Like, a film versus movie. I'm particular about that. The, that next, the next Godzilla is going to be a movie. That That's going to be a movie. That's going to be a popcorn flick, which is fine. Godzilla, or King Kong has the Infinity Gauntlet. I can't wait to see who he snaps out of existence, whatever. <laughs> but, you know, a, Godzilla with his big boy run. You know, that's how I, the big boy. That's what he reminds me of when he runs. It's like if Frisch's big boy came to life and ran out. Oh my God. The, <laughs> that's terrifying. That's like the six foot turkey. The, the, the last God, terrifying. The last Godzilla uh, King Kong film. You only got like what? 15 minutes of the the villain? It, the, they don't... It, 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 the the, the Mecha Godzilla. Yeah. Which... They should have Godzilla's ass. Ready Player One had a way better design. Just saying, they stuck with the original design, and it looked kick ass in that movie, even if it was all digital. Um, but anyway, we're getting off track here. We got way into Godzilla. Um, we're gonna have to do a Godzilla. Oh, we got to. We got to, dude. It's still here. Like, I'm surprised it's still here. Because it's so good. It's so good. It's okay, I like that anyway. poster. Oh yeah, it's a great poster. I like that they kept the it's Japanese simple. on it. It's simple and like, gaudy look. Zilla. And, but can gaudy. I say one more thing before we move on? Yeah. Com flying a kamikaze pilot into Godzilla. What is that going to do? Like, there, he's so big. He's it's not. Gonna... It does work though. 
It works. Spoilers. This is, this, is, this is coming from a person who hasn't seen the movie yet and a person who has seen the movie. It's and the emotional impact of everything that happens in the end and like how it all comes together and ends and like how it spoilers like it sets up another uh, another but, Godzilla. Oh yeah, like uh, okay, full spoiler. Do, do you want to hear? Yeah, I, I, you know me. I don't okay, care okay. about spoilers. So after okay, so. The lead, he flies into uh, the mouth, but oh you find out that like this this um, this mechanic who witnessed the first Godzilla attack with him, that like all of his like friends and crew got killed because he didn't take the shot to kill Godzilla, and he blamed him the whole movie, and then like he blamed the con- I I want to know their names but I don't want to disrespect them right now. I am not prepared for this. So he built he put the mechanic puts an ejector seat in there and he's and what we don't know is like he's ready to die but and you know this guy like he's like yep you're the one who's going to help me but it's, he tells him no live. You know, we're pretty much saying getting rid of that whole the old ways of how cuz they need to rebuild, but if you're, they're going to rebuild, they can't follow the old ways anymore. They have to rebuild new. So it's like this really big emotional thing for him to like forgive him for whole and like the fact that he held on to this hate against him for so long. So he ejects, but like the bomb goes off and Godzilla's head explodes. So, but right before Godzilla's head explodes, um, I don't know if it's a he or she. But Zilla's uh, body starts was about to do the atomic blast on all the ships that were. Uh, they have this plan that I won't get into because that'll take a lot of time, and so it, it like dissipates, it crumbles into the ocean, and so at the very end, right before the credits goes, you see this big chunk, and uh, it starts pulsating, and then uh, you get the dir 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 dir, and it starts regenerating because Godzilla has regenerative powers. So, <laughs> so it sets up how long it'll take, how long Zilla will take to grow. Nobody knows. It's almost uh, like uh, I'll have to like note, like tell people, like at the beginning, like future Brian here. If you don't want to hear these spoilers, cut to here. <laughs> it's, it's, it's almost like uh, for my the anime fans out there that watch it and listen to our podcast, like Piccolo. Who gets like he can literally get his arms or legs or whatever cut off and it'll just grow back. Or for mainstream listeners, Deadpool two. <laughs> Deadpool two. <laughs> yeah. Well, Baby not legs. the movie, but <laughs> <laughs> oh god, when he crosses them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, so anywho, I do have obviously I always have some other quotes and some other notes and stuff like that, just in case we miss a few. Uh, who's the guy who plays starring with Ryan Reynolds in the second one? Uh, Josh Brolin? No. He's his best friend in the movie. Glasses, runs the bar. Oh, um, T.J. Miller? Yeah, he, I heard he's not going to come back for the third one. Yeah, he's kind of a dick in real life, I've heard. Yeah. Because Ryan Reynolds seems like a pretty solid guy in real life, so I mean. He said it's something about because him and Ryan didn't get along or something like that. Yeah, probably, I don't know. I, I could see. It sounds like a him problem. Yeah, it sounds like more of a hip problem. But some other quotes I have, just in case we didn't have them, is in the beginning during the whole like um, the night the reindeer died. I love that when um, <laughs> when Lee Majors tells Santa to like get out of here, the world needs him. He says, 
no, no, this is one Santa that's going out the front door. Like, that's such a badass lie to me. Um, it sounds like a Santa who's got, like, a gun strapped to him. It's going to take on a bunch of... So, there's, this one's kind of a dual thing that I have noted, but there it's... Frank is going to tell Grace that they need to stay late to work. And he's, like, running up, he's, like, running through the, it's right after he gets the dossier from the, uh, from the boss through the elevator. He runs to find Grace, and he finds out about Bryce Cummings and all that, and he, like, runs, and there's, like, this random woman just walking, he goes, you, follow me, slam this door, hard, and then she does, she follows him, and actually comes around, it slams the door behind him, and... What, what what I like about the scene though is like he just breaks because she's like I can't work late I gotta take uh, Calvin to the doctor and he just like I need a full report on a guy named Bryce Cummings he's an LA slime ball okay um you're doing Helmsley Pass at seven o'clock and I'm gonna leave I'm gonna take my son you're, no you're not you're staying here with me we're working late well, I have to take my son to the doctor Grace when I work late you work late but I made the appointment two months ago I care. We're indivisible. If I'm working late, you gotta work late. If you can't work late, I can't work late. If I can't work late, I can't work late. But I just think it's crazy. Like it's funny, just like it's high pitched. This he's just she just finally just accepts that she has to work with him. <laughs> um, and then the last uh, quote that I have noted is the entire nipple debate with the censor of the Jesus. whole, like, uh... You can't do this at the 11th hour. To do what I want to do. I'm sorry, Mr. Cross. I am the censor, and I will not allow this costume on the air. Why not? Well, specifically, you can see her nipples. I want to see her nipples. But this is a Christmas show. Well, Charles Dickens would have wanted to see her nipples then. Uh, you, can, uh, you can hardly see them nipples. See, and these guys are really looking. Which was an ad-libbed <laughs> from uh, Jack McGee, the actor who uh, was the, I guess he was a prop guy on the movie. I don't know. Um, and so, yeah, th those are for my notes. Well, no, those are for quotes, but I do have some notes, which are neither really notes and quotes kind of stuff. There's some notes while watching. I already mentioned that I would 100% watch The Night the Reindeer Died. Um, $5 says that Robert Goulet was eaten by that crocodile <laughs> during his Christmas special. Um, Father Loves Beaver is, I know it's like a uh, Leave it to Beaver-like yeah. play, but it's just, we know, we know, that, we know. <laughs> who names their show that? Leave it to Beaver. Leave it to Beaver? Well, that's the kid's name, but I just who like, names I just beaver? love the fact that the ad starts with, oh, he's probably out chasing beaver. <laughs> um, I love, and then during the whole ad scenes, before he watches the Scrooge promo, I love that when he opens his little drawer, he looks at himself and smiles in a mirror before, like, giving everyone else the death stare. Um, I also pointed out that only a cat owner would, uh, would seriously consider that much marketing for cats. You know, I was something that just popped through my head. Um, the guy from uh, Breaking Bad. The boss is played by Robert Mitchum, by the way. I forgot to mention that like a while ago, but Breaking Brian, Bad, Brian, Brian Cranston. Brian, if we had Frank Castle, or not Castle, Cross. Frank Cross. Um, if he had the personality, like the split personality, like 
um, Brian Cranston's character in Breaking Bad, how cool would that be? I mean, you know what actually works better? If you mix in a little Walter White with, or a little, no, you can't, not Walter White, a little Heisenberg. Those are two different characters. Let's not be yeah, confused here, folks. There's a scene where they literally the trans like it's subtle, but it's like, you, you see the transition. See, yeah, and he, it, it, you, I mean, the guy's like, I don't even know who I'm talking to right the now. Fucking best show, <laughs> but but um, fuck. You're what not, were we just talking you're about? Not going to do that. What were we just talking about? <laughs> oh yeah, um, him. Um, if a little bit of Heisenberg with a little bit of Hal from Malcolm in the Middle. We got our Frank Cross. We got our Frank Cross. It's a, Brian Cranston's a great Frank Cross. Let's be real. I really want to know how he was able to, because that that was a lot of energy that he put into that character. Of Hal or Walter? Of of Walter, like. Oh no, dude! That's a once in a lifetime performance. Like we, there's a like he's done decent after Breaking Bad, but there's a reason why he keeps coming back to Breaking Bad because. That character's special. Like, that is a top... Iconic. It's an iconic character, and there's so much... It's weird that they keep having so much more story to tell, and we know how his story ends, but yeah, it's... Gonna, the cancer's back. 10 out of 10. <laughs> well, no, he's... He's... Well, that nothing scene, to come back to. That, <laughs> that scene, though, he says the cancer's back, and... I don't... Well, no, because he gets chemo while he's yeah. in, and he loses all that. Never mind. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, um top-notch acting by him um and speaking of top-notch i my next ma- uh, uh, note is the makeup is <laughs> this is top-notch <laughs> which uh i i think i said it off mic um he said it lost to beetlejuice it lost to beetlejuice at the oscars it was nominated for only one oscar and it lost to fairly to beetlejuice i mean if you watch that movie it's hard to believe that's michael keaton like yeah. it does not look like michael keaton but also like every dead person in the like waiting room like the guy with the the chicken bone in the neck and the guy with the shark on his leg and uh the woman in half that was a cool one um that's a top and we gotta we gotta re i gotta revisit that before the second one comes out for sure um i've been listening to podcasts who like visit the set and Who's stuff doing the second one Tim Burton. Well, is it still Michael Keaton? By Michael Keaton, yep. But Jenna Ortega is coming in because, obviously, she's Winona Ryder's. She's Lydia's uh, daughter. Jenna Ortega is kind of being typecasted into horror films. She works for it, though. Like, I put her as an official scream queen. Her with Mia Goth and uh, I forget who else I mentioned. It was someone else. Oh, Anna Taylor-Joy. I put her in that kind of category. Even though the menu wasn't really horror, she does do a lot of that horror theme. I feel like my furnace sounds so loud in this microphone. Um, <laughs> no, it's okay. I just see it. I, I, I can tell from the waves how loud it's actually being, but um, it's because I can hear it both through. Yeah, so it's bugging me. Anywho, um, um, out of all the retellings, even the Muppet one. I know the Muppet one has this like really weird resurgence happening right now, which I watched as a kid, so it's like I have a connection to it. But it's weird how many people are into it, or maybe it's just because we're all older now. We are capable of telling the world, like, hey, check this out, because Michael Caine chose to act the shit out of that one, and it shows. And I'm glad he did, because Michael Caine is a treasure. Uh, George C. Scott one's a good one. Yeah, uh, I, I saw a photo of Michael Caine the other day with his wife. They don't look like... Well, Michael Caine, in a way, has kind of aged. 
But his kind of well, his wife has not. Dude, she well, she like I feel like if you see the photo of when they first met, she had to be a lot younger than him. Oh yeah. She she I don't want to say that younger. <laughs> okay, let me pump the brakes. <laughs> Michael Caine, I love you, dude. Um, the way he likes, he's like, I'm old now. They're only gonna I give got, me old I man got, parts. Like, I why do I want to fucking act now? But like, um, she she looks like she would have been her early twenties though, and he looked like he was at least thirties and stuff like that. So it's not a big issue, but she definitely looked younger than him. Um, but you know, I don't know who's gonna be in Nolan films now without Michael Caine. Actually, I don't think Caine was in Oppenheimer. Now that I say that out loud, shit, that's sad. Anywho, um. But yeah, he's this, 90. Yeah, he's yeah, he's been around for a while, dude. He's in the original Italian job. You wanna know when the original Italian job came out? <laughs> It'll make you feel older. Dude, we gotta do the uh, Mark Wahlberg know, one too. I'd do, be okay doing like a header, like a double double. I didn't know he was married prior to his current wife. What? He was married before his current wife. Michael Caine? Mm-hmm. I mean he's an actor, I wouldn't doubt it. For four years. Yeah, I, I mean, a lot of and people do that. He married his current wife in 1973. Mm-hmm. All right, let me look to see how old she is. <laughs> um, so. 76, so you were right. Okay, so, man, I was, oh, what, I just, I'm good with numbers, I guess, sometimes. So he was born in 33, she was born, born in 47. 47. I'm good with You're numbers. You're a great man. <laughs> 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 You're just sitting there and this math around your head. <laughs> <laughs> it's like they show numbers. <laughs> um, I think I stated this before. I might have not. I care more about Grace than I do Bob Cratchit. As I stated, she has she would have a so much harder time finding. And the thing is, I, and I'm sure after the events of this movie, she gets a very well earned pay raise. But it's like she would have such a in New York at that time frame. She would have such a more she would have a harder time finding something that would even pay even remotely possibly what she's making there. Now it is possible that I, I, I don't know. Like I, it's, it just sucks because we see that she has the five kids. Her, her husband was murdered in front of her youngest child and her, her child will not talk. And you know, she's paying $200 for two doctors to tell her something she knows, you know, as she so, stated. And my thing is, and Frank crosses, like to be a good CEO, you got to take care of your. Employee. You got to take care of the people under you because, like, they're the ones doing the work and while then, you are sitting in your your chair at the you top. You just call like, the shots. Yeah, like you make the hard choices, but like the other people that the choices you make that affects every single person underneath you. So and you have to be to be a good leader. You have to acknowledge so that. So when Christmas comes around, you give them a bonus, not a towel. I mean, how much is that towel? I'm kidding. <laughs> um, that just seems like a cheap twenty dollar towel. Like, oh no, yeah, it, it looked like a cheap, t- like they bought it from Bed Bath and Beyond, if that. And they just stitched the. And they company. stitched the logo on it. Yeah, that's exactly probably what they did. While they somebody went to Best Buy to get all the VCRs. Yeah, you. Like, and they, you know what the worst part is? It's probably Grace they would send. They so, said Grace literally has the shit in work. While like Bob Cratchit could have found another job. So I remember one year I was working for my father-in-law around Christmas, and it was around COVID, so we couldn't go to the Christmas dinner. Right. So instead, he gave all of his... Was this not a real dinner? 
You used air quotes around no, dinner. No, it was, it was okay. Um, <laughs> I was like, there was no food. <laughs> we just so sat there and me. <laughs> that, that year, he gave all of his employees, which I think were three of us, $1,000 each. Oh, nice. So technically $3,000. Yeah, I've gotten a few bonuses here and there that were real nice and are real helpful, especially during this time. Um, yeah, and so, but also I just like Alfred Woodward. I, I think she is just a phenomenal actress. Um, I didn't, I'm full disclosure, like she was a, that actress for me for a while. Like I saw her and everything. I always liked who she was, but I can never remember her name. And then when I realized that she was the same actress in this movie, because obviously she's a lot younger than, for some weird reason, when I keep thinking of an example, I know she's in, like, movies and done really well, but, like, for, she was Lafayette's mom on True Blood. I don't know why that's the <laughs> example that popped in my head first. Um, but she does really well with that, because she's supposed to be someone who's kind of, like, supposed to be not right in the head, but, like... She kind of is because she's just, she has the same gift Lafayette does. She's just affected by it differently. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. I probably shouldn't reveal the world, my knowledge of true blood. Anywho. <laughs> <laughs> and my last note is that it's this weird thing I notice. Anytime there's a TV on top of a box, it is the exact same fucking box. In the homeless shelter, there's a TV on top of a box. It is the exact same television box at uh, his brother's boxes. At his brother's house, on top of the TV, uh, the TV is sitting on the exact same fucking box that was just at the homeless shelter. This is stuff that you pick up on, like, the Brad Pitt eating thing. I couldn't, I couldn't help it. I was like, there's the same fucking strip of tape, too. Like, it was blinding me, almost. Like, why is everybody putting, why, are, do TV stands don't exist? Like, they, what, they just, why is everyone sharing the box? They just probably thought the audience was too stupid to what's catch in, on what's in the box <laughs> oh god but yeah this movie that's all my notes so <laughs> and the computer's been the, the computer's been closed and we're, we're drawing close to that time this is gonna be a long ass episode over, uh, two, over two hours it probably well over two hours but it's christmas so but this movie Rewatching it now, like like I said, every time I rewatch a movie for the podcast, I feel like I'm watching it. I don't want to. I I feel like saying it for the first time is not right, but I feel like I'm watching it differently for the first time. Like I'm watching it more. Yeah. I don't know if I'm watching it for th certain things or closely or like because I've like because I've been compiling this list on Letterboxd. It's private, but it's just this. It's a list of all these movies that have taught me something. Either it's a good movie or a bad movie. It's taught me something in some way. And then, so I feel like as I keep going through this like cinematic history journey and whatever it is, I, I feel like it's just making me notice different things in movies, making me appreciate different things, making me, again, Godzilla Minus One made me cry. Again, there's father-daughter aspects I on it. I can tell you there's another a, movie that Brian cried in. What? Avengers. Was it Avengers Endgame or... It was in game. It was in game. The Tony Stark shit. Yeah, yeah. That dude. That was sad as shit. Wait, especially with Pete. That kills me at the end. <laughs> but like, um, oh man. But yeah, like <laughs> a good movie. Like, like if it, it, you, for starters, you have to have the right person in the role. And I think if that final speech is delivered by anyone we mentioned earlier. I don't have the list of names in front of me, but I know Robert Downey Jr. was like the first one we came up with, which I think is probably our most solid, and solid Danny, choice. And Danny I know Danny I didn't Danny. mention Danny DeVito. <laughs> Danny DeVito, they should, you know what, honestly, they need to redo Scrooged on Sunny with Frank. 
that's all they got to do. <laughs> but, um, yeah, this movie, rewatching it now, there was, like, different emotionals, uh, th things I picked up. There was different things, because I used to hate the Ghost of Christmas present, because... Oh, I didn't mention the Ghost of Christmas future in this is fucking terrifying. He, he, I mean, he's designed like all the others, but like, I love when he, <laughs> Bill Murray first sees him and he thinks he's the fake Ghost of F Christmas uh, uh, future. Who That guy's going to be a big star someday. Um, <laughs> but like, he opens up his robe and there's all the, the like, the lost souls and they're just like... <laughs> Creep. God. Aren't you supposed to be in the studio? We're on the air. Hey, back off, big man. That may work with the checks, but not with me. Is this straight? May I? Did our people do that? And, but, like, his face is a TV, and sometimes, like, the TV is reflecting Frank's face, but it's, like, either an x-ray and, like, his skull it's, or bone, and it's genuinely terrifying. It's and, almost portraying him as he's gonna be one of the ghosts. Exactly, and then, like, well, and it's also, like, it fits in with, like, your life is TV and the, your death will be, be TV or I don't know, maybe I'm trying to look into it deeper, but, like, even, like, the scene where he's being burnt... When he thinks he's dying and like right before I'm alive, that seems terrifying because we get that reaction of first of all that he's in the casket. It's a tiny ass casket. He we see his legs on fire. He's kicking and screaming like I want to live. I want to live. Yeah. It's terrifying. It, it just reminds me of getting buried alive or something. Kill Bill Volume Two, man. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, this is one that's like somehow. Was it? It was one I've watched plenty of times, but I it's been about three years since I've watched it. So it's the first time in three years I've watched it, and it just hit me differently. And maybe it's I don't know. Maybe it's because of recent events. I don't know. But it's it's a really good adaptation. It really kind of does well with giving us a live action Scrooge. And I think Bill Murray like hits does phenomenal work. And yeah, I really enjoy it. And I think it's. I'm going to say it, a a late Christmas classic. I I know you're the Scrooge here. I don't know if you agree, but yeah, that's all I got to say about that. So Christmas vacation's better. Yes, which ironically is our next movie because we got to wrap things up here. You got things to do and I'm kind of tired. I got some things I got to do, but you know, yeah. But it's been fun. It's been real. It's been real fun. <laughs> and as, uh, like I said, we, we will be dropping Christmas vacation on Christmas. Um, which I think that's like two days, two days of earlier than our usual schedule, which is fine. But, um, yeah, after that though, we will, we will probably be taking a break until, um, the very, uh, 31st where we do our top 10 episode for the finale of this, of the year. And yeah, but we got to decide our very first movie of the year. And I think we've mentioned it on this podcast. Fast and Furious. Fast and Furious. It has to be the Fast <laughs> and Furious. We've mentioned it like three podcasts now. It has to happen. So, people, uh, the next time you catch us, we'll be on Christmas Day. Ho, 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 with Christmas Vacation. And as we like to say here, bonjour. Bonjour. <laughs>